it would appear that some hacking groups that are affiliated with the Chicoms are now doing the first the first probes, shall we say, into American infrastructure, including uh, Hawaii water utilities and at least one oil and gas pipeline. And uh, they've been targeting Hawaii and Guam for whatever reasons. Now, Guam would be strategic, and Hawaii would probably be strategic as well, but they're, 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 and they're targeting careless office workers in a bid to cause societal chaos from within should war break out. In the last year alone, they have burrowed into more than 20 major suppliers in the last year. One oil and one gas pipeline. They have bypassed elaborate cybersecurity systems by intercepting passwords and logins unguarded by the junior employees, leaving China sitting on a stockpile of strategic vulnerabilities. Codenamed Volt Typhoon. That's all coming from the Daily Mail, by the way. Which, you know, a lot of details on this one. This is this has gone along with the growing tension over Taiwan and could unplug our efforts to protect our interests in the South China Sea. And uh, according to Brandon Wales of the DHS Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, it is very clear that Chinese attempts to compromise critical infrastructure are in part to preposition themselves to be able to disrupt or destroy that critical infrastructure in the event of a conflict. Either to prevent the United States from being able to project uh, project power into Asia or cause societal chaos inside the U.S. to affect our decision-making around a crisis. (laughs) Excuse me. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. First of all, with oil and gas pipelines, they could do they could do some things that would be potentially uh, bad, but at the same time, it would not impact our uh, our ability to project force. I don't think. I mean, it's been a while since I had to worry about stuff like that, but I don't think that would actually impact that. The other the other thing that uh, the the causing decision making issues, I. This sort of, see, this is the thing with the communists. The communists think that only the people in charge make decisions, and they don't understand exactly how things work within our military, where everybody knows the mission in, the, in our military. It just seems like, it, it, it seems odd that this is where they're focusing their efforts. Now, 10 years ago, they were looking at political and economic espionage. And uh, they're doing this, and this is a very, if, if this is true, right, this is uncorroborated by me anyway, supposedly they cover their traces by using unsuspicious devices such as home or office routers in a bid to steal employee credentials. Once they get inside the system, they can pose as a legitimate user in a technique, technique known as living off the land. 
So until then, you lie in wait, you carry out reconnaissance, figure out if you can move into industrial control systems or more critical companies or targets upstream. And one day, if you get the order from on high, you switch from reconnaissance to attack. Now, the director of the National Intelligence warned in February that China is already almost certainly capable of launching cyber attacks to disable oil and gas pipelines and rail systems. This is the beauty of the digital world, isn't it? It's just the beauty of the digital world. I, everything's so much better now. All the people put out of jobs and everything else, and here's what we get. We, 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 we know this is coming. We see it happening, and we're, what are we doing about it? The assessment reported, uh, if Beijing feared that a major conflict from the United States were imminent, it would almost certainly would consider undertaking aggressive cyber operations against U.S. homeland, critical infrastructure, and military assets worldwide. I don't really know how that's going to work with the military part of it because um, while I know that they use the web and networks and some other stuff now that wasn't even there when I was in the military, I, I don't know how hardened our systems are to this. Now, according to Morden Adamski, Morgan Adamski of the National Security Agency, the two toughest challenges with these techniques are determining that a compromise has occurred and then once detected, having confidence that the actor was evicted. But in August, they were spotted trying to penetrate systems run by the Public Utility Commission of Texas and the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which provide the state's power. But if Hawaii is thought to be the biggest target given the crucial role it would play if something broke out over Taiwan. So they intend network warfare to play a crucial role in amphibious invasions with air and missile strikes coordinated alongside cyber attacks on command networks, critical infrastructure, satellite networks, and military logistics. The biggest problem that they would have, though, with Taiwan is there's no land bridge to Taiwan. See, they're watching what is going on right now with uh, with Ukraine, for example. And I, I'm sure their planners there are sitting there saying to themselves, you know, it'd be really nice if we could just walk in there. Because when they get on the water surface, they're going to be seen. And there's plenty of things they can do. They can launch all kinds of stuff from the interior and all this other stuff and all these other things. But, I mean, there's a couple of things in the way. First of all, there's Australia and Japan. Australia has missile systems that can reach into China now. And Japan is catching up quick. And everybody's saying that all of this is going to have to happen by 2027. And, uh, you know, despite all this other stuff, Volt Typhoon and all these other things they've got going on right now, the, the fact of the matter is this is not happening within a vacuum. So in the past, we have had electronic countermeasures and electronic counter countermeasures that's that, that that was something where we would be sending things out to try to disrupt signals between weapon systems and the deployed assets that they were firing or that they were uh 
they were guiding and uh, that would that would be an attempt to do things. Nowadays, it's a little more complicated. It's a little more. Uh, there's a lot more out there going on. So, everything that's going on right now, though, is relevant to the, to the Taiwan scenario. The Taiwan scenario is the first thing China would do. So, I don't know. You know, this all bear, bears monitoring. There is one thing, though, that uh, despite what we know about the war exercises and everything else, where we lose badly, uh, China is still untested, despite some of their proxy proxy things they've done. So uh, that's also in play. I just found that interesting that they would go after some of this stuff to uh, to try to disrupt communications or to cause a disruption in our decision-making capability. I've never heard of that before. But anyway, that's that's what they got going on right now. Now coming out of COP28, they just had uh, they just finished up COP28 and uh this was the the president of COP28 was actually a oil sheik. So now instead of stopping altogether, they have come away with language to transition away from fossil fuels. That's interesting. That when we get back, this is News Talk 989 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. <sighs> so they had this COP28 climate talks in Dubai. And um, understand this about this. This is all non-binding. This, uh, this is a bunch of guys getting together to talk. Some of them couldn't make it because their uh, their private jets were frozen to the tarmac in Munich by the global warming. Sultan al-Jaber, the COP28 president, said the delegates had gone down a long road in a short amount of time. Now, this is the first time in nearly three decades of annual UN climate summits that the world has agreed to language that explicitly limits future use of fossil fuels. And he hailed the climate deal as a historic package of measures which offers a robust plan to keep the target of 1.5 degrees centigrade within reach. He said, we have delivered a paradigm shift that has the potential to redefine our economies. And he also said an agreement is only as good as its implementation. We are what we do, not what we say, which uh, that must have been meant at John Kerry because he does a lot of talking. Now, here is a fact. One day we will move away from fossil fuel. That's just, you know, there will be something better come along. And when I say better, it will be cheaper. It'll be easier to use. It'll be easier to, to uh, produce. 
It'll be cleaner. It'll be good in all kinds of ways. And uh, that will be a time when we move away from it. What they have in place right now is not exactly... It's not exactly feasible. So we have 21 pages, 200 paragraphs. The deal sets out a pathway away from the use of fossil fuels in order to, to achieve net zero by 2050. Net zero means we stop growing things, though. Um, <laughs> that means we stop growing things and that plant life begins to die if we achieve net zero. Although, and I don't know whether to take this, you know, for what it says, but they have pledged to contribute to transitioning away from fossil fuels and energy systems in a just, orderly, and equitable manner. But they still have this one, this one big issue, which is what are they going to use in place? What are they going to put in its place? They want to speed up efforts to reduce coal use. They want to accelerate technologies like carbon capture and storage that can clean up the hard to carbonize industries. And on top of this, there's a recognition that global emissions will likely peak before 2025 and that developing nations may have their peak slightly later. So, it also reiterates that developed nations support more vulnerable states facing the potential consequences of climate change, such as rising sea levels. Now, right now, you've got two nations that are in the middle of industrial development, which is India and China, and they're not going to cut back on anything. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to placate a mob. They're trying to bring people out of poverty. So they're not going to be cutting back on nothing. Okay? Nothing at all. Nothing. Then you have the nations of Africa, which are... There's not a lot of industrialization that I see that's happened there. And um, I don't know how much they have to worry about the ocean le levels rising there. But... The fact of the matter is, is that 80% of the energy today in the world is oil, gas, and coal. And there is no, uh, nothing in place to reliably replace that at the level we're using it at right now. Now, of course, I have seen where John Kerry has called for depopulation. I mean... Sure, John, you first. You first, John, if you want to if you want to show me the way. Mounting support for renewable energy across the world along with improving technology, sliding costs, and rising private investment have also driven rapid growth in their deployments. What they're talking about is the uh, renewable energy deployments. Although you know. One of the things that is happening now is that all, some of these things, especially the wind turbines, are beginning to uh, reach their, the, the end of their life. So while 85% of the turbine itself can be recycled, the blades can't. 
and that's a that's a big I mean that's a big portion of uh, the the entire size of the uh, size of the apparatus and uh, now they're starting to stockpile blades all over the place all over the world now Secretary General of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries said in a letter dated December 6 to OPEC members and allies at COP28 the world should target emissions rather than fossil fuels themselves, rallying them to oppose any deal targeting oil. Now, carbon capture is expensive and has yet to be proven at scale. That is true. On the other hand, burning as much fossil fuel as we do, we're the only ones that have actually reduced CO2 emissions here in the United States. Which I find very interesting that we've done that and yet we still instead of doing more of what we're doing and exporting that which would be a money-making proposition i would think instead of doing that we want to get away from oil and gas which they just want to get away from cars i mean understand that they want to get away from cars they want to get away from cars to where you don't have that freedom of movement They don't like it when you move out of these population centers at all. They don't like that at all. So. I just find that interesting, that though, that instead of them halting fossil fuel, which has always been the language, now they actually are saying to themselves, okay, we're actually going to have to transition away. So at least there's a little bit of an acknowledgement of the fact that they don't have anything ready to take the hand off. That's nice. But, I mean, getting to net zero, I mean, do we not like trees? We, we don't like grass. We don't like flowers. We don't like uh, agriculture. Thought we'd gotten sort of used to that kind of stuff. What kind of world are we wanting to live in? How do you have a green area and how is Gaia happy when you're taking everything and killing it all? Wholesale. I don't know. I don't know. I just found that interesting because uh, that's one of their main mechanisms they want to control you with is climate change. They get you to buy into that, they, they win the sweepstakes. Now, when we get back, for the last half of a century, the left has been trying to lure you into being a totalitarian state with all the right words and all the right phrases. Are you going to listen to this? Or are you just going to pay attention to what you know is real? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Bill Brady on News Talk 98 WORD. The voice. 
So here we have the communitarianism sirens out there. Yes, plumbing talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Um, this is a, it's a political dance, okay? And it can be done with several different kinds of music. Because it only has three steps. We've seen the familiar choreography and efforts against racism and crime and steps to preserve the national security, support agriculture and education, whatever the time, the steps are the same. Here's what you do. you got to manufacture a crisis. You have to offer an emergency solution that people would never accept unless there was a crisis. And then the results achieve the hidden goal unrelated to the supposed problem, which is total control. So, communitarianism is a claim that in matters of public policy, you have to balance individual rights guaranteed by the con Constitution with the imagined community rights to assure fairness. So, you have to establish the following three steps. Individual rights are selfish, harming the community. Individuals cede some of their rights to the community. Results fewer rights, freedoms for individuals, more power for local, state, and or federal government. But the problem didn't actually exist. It was manufactured by those whose true goal was to come after your rights and your freedoms, increase their power and reach of government, and impose upon you the social and political vision that they have for you. Now imagine that individual rights are a glass of milk and community rights are a glass of water. And to balance those rights, pour each glass into a pitcher and the result is watery milk, which can mean watered down individual rights. Community rights are strengthened, which is the activist's true goal. And like we, we saw how this played out in the 2008 housing bubble collapse. So step one was the crisis. Bill, Fit, Bill oh, okay. Well, who uh, who is calling? Uh, okay, so we, let's go to what, Gary in Western North Carolina. What can I do for you, sir? Well, I was just checking on this border situation. All you hear every time you turn the news on is everybody talking about it, but nobody is doing nothing about it. We just keep letting them come and. And, uh, you know, does Biden have a final say? Is he the dictator or have we got a Congress or a Senate or a House or anybody that can do anything? And if not, let's get them off the payroll and find somebody that can. Well, I mean, Johnson has tied any further funding of the Ukraine to uh, border security. Yeah. Well, like I said, they just all you hear is all kind of talk, but nobody seems to do nothing. I mean, it's just, well, yep, they're coming across the border. Okay, here's you some money and have a good time. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I mean, that is a fact. Right. So, like I said, I don't know. It's uh, it's just a mystery to me. Is I thought we had a, you know, a little stronger country than what we've got. I guess everybody talks a free country. We ain't free when they tax us, take everything we make a tax and then give it to all these other foreign countries.
um, I don't consider that being free. Well, I mean, you got to remember why they do it. They do it because they think if they let these people in, they'll vote for them. Yeah. That's yeah. why they're doing it. They're trying to, they're trying to, well, I mean, like they're, they're doing it more now because black America has begun to leave the Democratic Party. Right. Well, everybody better wake up and see what's going on. This is, uh, this is going south in a hurry. And I'm, I'm not a real educated man, and, but I can see, I can see what's going on. And, you know, I just can't understand why other people can't see it either. That's, uh, it's crazy to me, but. Anyway, I don't know. Just God bless America and keep up the good fights. All I know to tell you. Yes, sir. That's it. That's all we can do. That's it. All right. All right. Yes, sir. And I appreciate your show. Yes, sir. Thank you for thank you for for, thank you. for the call. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, the border is going to be a bone of contention, and it's going to be a big election issue. And I really want to see. I mean, even the Biden administration is beginning to think they're going to have to do something about the border for this next election coming up. I, I But I, I don't see what they're going to do other than uh, what they've already been doing up to this point. But we'll see what the, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Back to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton decided that poor people couldn't afford to buy a house. Now, up to that point, poor people had not been able to afford their own house before, so why was this suddenly a crisis? And uh, that situation is actually a motivation for good behavior. Work, save money, defer children until you're more financially secure. But no, Bill Clinton decided that uh, there was a housing crisis. So he forced the banks and the mortgage companies to lower housing loan standards so people could afford houses to get loans anyway. Then the actual results were when the financial firm sold those subprime loans as mortgage-backed securities, the stage was set, and we saw a major increase in loan defaults, which occurred in 2008. The housing market crashed, taking the stock market with it. The crisis wasn't fixed, but the U.S. economy was devastated, which was the true goal all along. Now, that makes no sense, you might say, because... You know, why would anybody want that result? Well, that's because the left has always supported global government. And the U.S. is a big barrier to that dream. So anything that weakens the U.S. politically, socially, or economically, that's a good thing. Your mistake is in assuming that what they want is actually, you know, whether it's the best for the nation or the citizens, it isn't. They want what's best for them and their global elites. Bear it in mind. Bear it in mind. Let's talk about that guy that shot Ashley Babbitt when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
I, I sure am glad there's a bunch of new IRS agents coming online. There's a bunch of bunch of desperados out there. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. One of them is uh, Capitol Police Captain Michael Byrd. He has owed the IRS $56,365.71. And it was confirmed that that lien has not yet been paid. Now, you knew him as Lieutenant Michael Leroy Bird of Brandywine, Maryland, seven months after he shot and killed Ashley Babbitt on January 6, 2021. The Babbitt family attorney, Terry Roberts, said if Bird were white instead of black, he would have been identified immediately. He said race was clearly a factor in hiding Bird's identity. Bird told fellow officers the next day that he would be treated differently because of his rank as a lieutenant, and he was. That was not a righteous shoot. He should have been fired, but he wasn't. He's had problems before that. In 2019, he was the commander of the House Chamber section of the Capitol Police. He left his loaded firearm in a public visitor's center bathroom. Since they issued Glocks, when they pointed out that it had no manual safety, I'm, you know, no kidding, uh, that made the incident particularly concerning for them. It was discovered later in a routine check by another officer. Now, the court file, the court tax filing listed Bird's previous address, uh, but those crack IRS investigators should have found him as easily as you know as anybody else could. After he shot and killed 14-year Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt, he had plenty of opportunity to save money. Uh, documents obtained by Judicial Watch show that then-Lieutenant Byrd and a pet stayed in a distinguished visitor suite at the Presidential Inn at Andrews Air Force Base from July 8, 2021 through January 28, 2022. And you paid for it. He also collected $122,000 through a GoFundMe account. Defendants accused in the Capitol riot turned to Christian sites to raise money for legal fees because they were not allowed to do like he did. He also has two bankruptcies and two foreclosures. His 1999 Chapter 7 discharged all of his debt. 2009, he filed for Chapter 13, which allows people to make payments on debts but changes to Chapter 7 to rid himself of those responsibilities. According to the bankruptcy court documents, his income for 2009 was $142,144. The trustee's final report showed to be paid $14,547 to clear debts of $1,237,680. And lawyers will be relieved to know that the trustee got her $2,393 fee from that amount. He lost his house to the bank, and the U.S. Senate uh, uh, and the U.S. Senate Federal Credit Fund lost twenty thousand fifty-five dollars for a car they financed. And despite all of this, he was able to purchase a five hundred twenty thousand dollars house in twenty nineteen. In two 
In a primetime interview with Lester Holt, Bird said, I was very afraid that day. That much is obvious. Ashley Babbitt was 5'2 and weighed 115 pounds, was unarmed. They have a photo of him with his gun out and being waved around. I'm not talking about brain. I'm not talking about low ready. You know, that's that's a semblance of control. He was waving it around. And lawyer Terry Roberts said, if I was a congressman, I'd be very concerned about him carrying a gun around me. Bird told Holt, I tried to wait as long as I could. I hoped and prayed no one would try to enter through those doors. But their failure to comply required me to take the appropriate action to save the lives of members of Congress and myself and my fellow officers, who, by the way, were behind her. There were a bunch of... Uh, Bunch of ninjaed up people out there. He's been promoted to captain. He now makes $200,000 a year. Maybe he can pay the IRS now. You ever heard of great inflation? Stay tuned. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.